As their time in the Twilight Eternal progresses, the party has found themselves at the homestead of a strange farmer named Victor, who doesn't seem to come from the world of Egadon. Along with a myriad of talking animals, they've found themselves in a weird predicament. Rolandir, Brynir, Vamak, and Karagas were outside, speaking with the different farmland creatures, while Mick, Val, and Kelnies remained in the parlor with Victor. And upstairs, Bartholomew went to explore and found even stranger halls. We'll start downstairs in the parlor. As Victor sits in his rocking chair, almost done with his glass of sap, that he then sets down on the table between you all with a big old sigh. Then he crosses his hands and his feet and just rocks comfortably back and forth, flashing semi-uncomfortable smiles at everybody. Val is still very much zoned out. Mick's gonna pipe up and says, Well, Victor, you mentioned before that you wanted to know who we are, or what we are more of. Let me clarify some things. I am not a Mick, I am Mick, or Mickey you may call me. What I am, well, at least from my world, they would call a changeling. Actually, looking at you, you look very similar to something I would see from where I'm from. The old world, as we call it. Do you know anything of where you have been and where you came from? Why, looking back that's so long ago, far, far away, I can't quite say. Hmm. No, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just can't put my finger on it. The last time I ever thought so much thoughts was when I had traveled rightwards for who knows how long. But that was before I adopted this little pasture here and uh, this little stead and started taking care of these fine folk. Fine folk? Why, yes, the pigs and the sheep and the goats. Answer me this, Victor. Why do your fine folk bring others to you? What makes you so special? I never told them to, but here they've got plenty of space to roam without any fear of being accosted by someone they uh, may find uncomfortable. That's what the pens are for, after all. Not so much for keeping them in. They're free to come and go as they please, but more of just warding off any characters that may be unsavory to the general atmosphere of my uh, little slice of heaven. And why do they bring newcomers to you? Well, uh, I mean, if you find something good, you want to share it, I imagine. I've never instructed them to do so. Though that Finn character thinks some strange ideas. Thinks I've got some kind of wisdom to impart. And I will say, in my defense, I do have a lot of time here. And sometimes time equals experience. But what is time? If at all possible, if we could not talk about such things, that would be very beneficial to me right now. Um, I'm sorry, you have a problem with the concept of time, or is it specifically uh, time-keeping devices, watches, clocks, stop, and the like? Stop, 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 please. I have forgotten myself once before in a place very much like this, and I do not want that to happen again. Place like this? Well, I never heard of no places like this. There's just, you know, back in the old world, the egg-something... To be fair to you, you do not remember much of anything at all, so... Well, I'll give you that, but it was still a little uncalled for. I apologize. Well, no need, no need. We're all, we're all friends here. We're all just at the kind of ends of your ropes, it seems. Y'all don't have 
much to lean back on. Y'all aren't related, I imagine. You're not family and such. I don't remember my family, so no. Well, that answers that question. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. You need a good base. Need a good something support to stand on. Does anyone stay here with you, ever? No, not for long. Everyone gets to go on eventually. Why is that, do you think? Places to be, things to do. I'm sure they get tired of me prattling on like I tend to do sometimes. Are there things to do and places to see here? Couldn't tell you. Never really ventured much myself, other than that one time, like I say, when I went rightward for a while. Val will look at Mick just sort of like, oh, I don't have any idea <laughs> if we're going to get anywhere with this guy. I kind of do the shifty eyes, or Mick does the shifty eyes to Val as well. And Mick wants to see, is this guy, like, is he hiding something? Is he lying? Uh, what's going on? Roll insight. Woohoo! Could I also <laughs> roll an insight check? Yeah. Thank you. Kalniace is too busy keeping herself from laughing to roll insight. Uh, laughing about what? <laughs> this entire situation. Um, Mick got 19. I got a 13. Seems like he's uh, telling the truth, as far as you can tell. Should we join Zezas outside, or should we go upstairs? I'm sure you don't mind, Victor, us perusing around your estate, would you? No, not at all. Uh, library of sorts on the other side, you know, opposite this room. Got a dining area in the back. And there's a nice patio in the, in the yard as well. But, uh, no. Take a look around. Take a stroll. Like I said, just take a load off. Well, stay a while, stay a while. If you don't, don't. What's it to me? You have books here? Oh, books and such, yes. Val will give Mick another look and then nod at Victor and get up and head for wherever the library is. Oh, just word of warning. Be careful what you read. Why? Well, I always say some books are like goats. You just can't trust them. Well, would you excuse us, Victor? Val, may I join you? Yes, please. I'll be coming as well, if you don't mind. Could use some air. As the three of you leave this sitting room and back into this little entrance hall, you can even glance outside. The front door is still left open. You see uh, Rolandir and Cad and Brynir and Vamok pacing through the yard. And then you can continue forward through a nice set of French doors into a sizable library that definitely isn't part of the house because it's much too large. Outside, as Cad has kind of stormed away just a little bit, kicked the grass around, you hear a voice behind you, Roland, and you're like, well, that's what you get when you talk to a pig. Without even turning around, Roland responds back to him. Yes, well... Should have seen it coming. Pigs never were the friendliest of types. <laughs> you got a lot of <laughs> lot of experience with pigs. The baby say hi. That mother effer probably doesn't even know I'm a god boy. <laughs> you know what? Hey, Dennis, why don't you get your butt back here? Okay, I got something to tell you. Why did you come and find us? Why do you go out? looking for people. Now, Rylander has turned around and is facing the goat who he had presumed to be Finn. It is Finn. It's got those same markings. The same dead eyes. Well, it's like I said. Victor takes good care of people, and sometimes people need taken care of. Have you wandered much throughout here? Have you seen... What am I doing? I'm talking to a goat. Well, could be worse. Could be talking to a sheep. Don't waste your time, that's all I'll say. I think I'm 
going to go and see what the others are up to inside. Unless there was something else you wanted to tell us. What? No. I was just perusing around. Heard your little run-in with the pigs. And thought I should come and admonish you. Finn, you say that the victor takes care of people. Have you met many others like us? People who walk on two legs? Oh, plenty. And what became of them? Do they all leave? Well, some of them leave, and some of them stay and choose a simple life. It would appear to me that if we stay here for too long, we too shall become pigs or goats, or apparently, the gods forbid, a sheep. Oh no, I wasn't insinuating anything of that sort. That's a bit too ominous for my liking. I just meant they give up their adventuring pursuits, or usually the people who come here have been accused of some kind of crimes. That's a pretty heavy-hitting lifestyle, I hear. Victor convinces them to settle down. Settle down where? I see no other people here. Well, they go rightward, or sometimes leftward. Darkward or lightward, either way, we'll find somewhere. This place is pretty big. Did Victor make this house? No, he found it. So he says. Looking at Brynir and Valand here since Cat has stormed off. I think it prudent that we spend as little time as possible within this house. I do not know what it is about it, but it does not sit well with me. I am growing to feel that same thing. It's not as outwardly devious as this pond was to me, but I agree. There is something off. Perhaps we would be better elsewhere. We should find the others. I, for one, do not think it wise to stay the night. Something about this place, the lack of all others except the victor, even these animals. It reeks of deception. What do you think, Brynjir? Well, Lamak and I certainly have upheld different ideals in life. I have come to trust him. If he thinks it's best not to stay here, then I trust that. Maybe we can go find this pond that you were talking about. Which would definitely introduce some excitement into this otherwise mundane place. Alright. Well, kind of waving over Cad, who I don't know if he's just kind of wandering around and <laughs> his frustration... No, he, he sees you and he comes over, stands quite resolutely with his hands on his hips, and is like, Well, have you decided on our next asinine course of action? Yes, we're going to trust you. Funny. We agree that uh, there is something off about this place, and we would like to leave. Well, good luck with that. Yes, thank you, Finn. And Finn uh, turns and walks back toward where all the other goats are. Have we seen any sheep? There's a pen kind of near the front of the house where there are some sheep. Yeah. Well, you want to go talk to one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he kind of does. Yes. R- Rolander starts heading back towards the house, and as he's doing that, he notices that there is a solitary pen of some sheep, and he turns towards the others, and he just says, Well, you can't tell me you're not at least a little curious to hear what one of these infernal beings, he says with air quotes, really has to say gods no not at all all right i will go back inside to try to get the others i'll accompany him you can meet us there after you have uh, satisfied your curiosity 
Yes, if you get the others out to there before I'm finished, then I will just join you and come along. And Vamok heads on into the house. With Cad in tow. Brynir, are you, uh, are you staying with me then? Why not? <laughs> That's what I like to hear. And Rolander heads off towards the sheep pen. There's a sheep nearby, uh, chewing on some grass at the edge of the pen. And kind of nudging Brynir, he says, I guess we should probably, I, I guess I will try to be a little more polite to this than I was to the pig. Yes, that would probably be advisable. Hello there, he says, addressing the nearest sheep. The sheep stops its chewing, looks up at you, and then swallows its tuft of grass and is like, Whoa. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) What do you want, huh? Those pigs and you? Uh, no, honestly. Um, the pigs and the goats have done nothing but advise us against coming to talk with the sheep. Um... But I figured I might as well say hello if I'm around. Huh. All right. You're Godborn, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Finally, some acknowledgement. (laughs) Yes. How do you know this? Oh, we can tell. (laughs) We're sheep. (laughs) No, uh, you've got this kind of glow about you. It's kind of strange. Just... Out of curiosity, we've asked this question to the others, trying to get some bearing or find out a little more about them, but do you know anything about how you came here or what life was like for you before you entered this place? Oh, I mean, kinda. Yeah? What what, what do you remember? Um, lots of grass. About as much grass as is here. Maybe more. Hold up, one second. Uh, that's alright, that's alright. Hey, Danan. <laughs> Danan! This other sheep comes over. How much grass do you remember from, like, (laughs) you know, before Victor? Oh, before Victor? (laughs) Lots of grass. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the same thing. Anyway, uh, this godborn here was asking about what things were like before. Oh, like, what before what? Before Victor. Wait, he turns back to Rolandir. Did you mean, like, before Victor? Or, like... Before I was here. Who are you, Danan? Oh no, I'm not Danan. That's Danan. Hey, I'm Danan. <laughs> I, I guess I should... You mentioned before, Victor. What drew you to Victor? What do you know about him? He seems kind of an interesting sort. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that's a word for him. I don't like him. Devious, perhaps? N- no, he's just got, like, bad grass habits. He doesn't take proper care of his lawn. All right. Well, it was nice talking to you, I suppose, and he turns to Brynir. That's all I have. Do you have anything else you would like to talk with the sheep about? Not particularly. Well, like I said, it was nice talking with you. We're going to be on our way in a little bit shortly, but best of luck to you. Alright, best of luck to you too. Just don't drink anything he offers you, or read any of his books, or open any of his doors. What was that? What? Nothing, man. <laughs> Gonna go eat some grass. Flashback five minutes to the library, as Val, Mick, and Kelnies enter through these double doors into this huge archive of books and tomes and scrolls and tablets and everything you can think of. Is there any indication of, like, organization or what books might be where? It seems to be purely alphabetical. Well, do we want to split up or stick together? 
I'm curious when he said that don't believe everything that you read. I wonder if those are the books that we should be looking for. What do you think? Kelnates is already off on like one of the side shelves and she just pulls a book and lets it fall off the floor and she looks over at the two of you and she's like, well, any idiot could write a book, so. Have you written a book, Kelnates? No, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that oh. as Mick hides his book. <laughs> his manuscript that he's been working on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah idiots. His screenplay. Yeah. I, I, well, being a, a, an individual who has read books in the past that have lied to him, uh, yes, it is something to be aware of, but... Uh, typically when people say that, it is because they do not want you to know the truth. I agree. And if you couldn't tell, I'm still a little suspect of this victor. Perhaps you and I, Val, we can start at the beginning? How about we go for A's? I don't see why not. Might as well find out what kind of titles they have. Mick is going to pull the very first book on the bottom shelf or something like that. I'm assuming these are really massive, so... The first book from, from where? Like the bottom, you said? Like, towards the door. Mm -hmm. You pull it out, and it seems to be actually the end of the stack. And so the title of this one is Zizix and Anatolius, A Brief History. Oops. Started at the wrong end. Let's find the A's. Val is annoyed at this library already. <laughs> Come, Valley, this way. All right. Val will follow. Um, As we pass by the T's, can I look and see if there's anything about Twilight? Specifically, like, uh, referencing the plane that you're in? Yeah. There seem to be some dissertations on the concept of the Twilight Eternal or different religious texts that point to it. Okay, I'm just going to grab all of those off of the shelf. Is there like a reading table? Yeah, there are a few desks scattered about. Okay, great. I'll grab all of those, put them on a desk, and then keep going with Make to the A's. You reach the top, the very end, or the start in this case, and you find a book called Abanthes. Does that mean anything to either of us? Sure as heck doesn't. <laughs> okay, great. However, it would be befitting to mention that when Mick is looking at the titles and whatnot, they're in Old World Common. And when Val is looking at the titles and whatnot, they're in Kinlish. So Mick, I, I'm assuming, is the person who takes this off the shelf and shows it to Val and says, This is Banthes. I, but you can't read it, can you? I'll put it back. Uh, no, no, I, I can read that. It is, I, that is kinlish to my eye. Well, it's not, because that's common from where I'm from. Kind of peering over your shoulder, Kelnias traces her finger on the cover of the book in a spiral pattern. She's like, this is in Mazic, obviously. This does not fill me with a lot of confidence about reading these books. Neither does it I. What about these books that you pulled? Though. All Kinlish. It's a whole library, which, in retrospect, is odd. What have you dug out, huh, Val? These are books on, uh, well, theoretical texts on this place we are in. Theoretical? Well, they look like dissertations and such, which are just collections of research. I don't think anyone who is here wrote a book. Maybe they did. I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, a few of these are obviously old religious scrolls. You don't obviously think that there's anything in here that's going to be useful. Why not? Ken barely regard Anahan as a god. These are all just going to be from some deranged human. No offense, she says, turning to Mick, and then kind of stopping herself. But I guess you're not human. <laughs> Never mind. 
None taken, nonetheless. Thank you, Kelniace, again. That will give her, like, a very pointed look and walk to one of these scrolls and, like, open it without breaking eye contact with her and then look at it. All right. You successfully, passively, aggressively open the scroll. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I don't have to roll for passive aggression. Looking at it, it does seem to be human in origin. At least the author's name, from what you can surmise, definitely sounds probably fellish. Definitely not kinlish. And it immediately starts praising the Ten Truths, which, of course, is the human faith. Mm -hmm. But it's not for... I don't know. How much do you read? Um, I think he'll like peruse through it until I imagine Val is very a very fast reader, so he can just sort of like glance through this text until to see if there's anything of value in it, and if it seems you know fairly immediately apparent that there's not, he'll stop reading. About halfway down, it starts to change, like the voice of the text becomes disparate, and then it starts talking about the Twilight Eternal and Honorhan, and this great judge, and some great day that will come to pass. And it gets very strange, and the writing is a bit shoddier, it's messier, and then all of a sudden, it's as if a different author picked up where the last person left off, and continues just writing as if it never went off into this tirade. I don't like that. Don't like what? There's a strange sort of, I don't know, break in this text for a rant about the Twilight Eternal. Almost as if it had never happened at all. Um, I'm going to roll up that scroll and grab like a book and see if it's the same thing. Time and time again, as you comb through these sources, and Kelniace will help, you find that the quality of the writing and the coherence of the writing seems to just devolve as it starts to more widely mention this plane, or even Honorhan in particular, when things get a little too detailed. Especially when talking about godly origins. Things are very scarce on the topic. Interesting, interesting. And are these coming from, like, all kinds of different sources? Are they all human, or are there, is there, like, are there kin in here as well? There seem to be kin. There seem to also be Mazkin texts, even sanguine texts, and texts of beings that you don't recognize, at least in terms of naming conventions and such. I don't think we're going to learn anything. I don't think we're supposed to learn anything. I suspect you're probably right. What do you mean, Kilnius? Well, everything just gets scrambled. Obviously, no one would print a book like this. It's idiotic. So what, this this victor has a library of misprints, or... Or, or they've been tampered with, or what? Do the other books? Add? I, Val will suddenly like go grab a random book from a different shelf that's not explicitly supposed to be about the Twilight Eternal and see if the same thing happens in those. As you open it, you start to feel really dizzy. Oh, dear. Do we notice that this is happening, or what does Val do? I mean, if I, if I can sort of like suss this out as being the, the book is the source of this, I will shut the book and put it back. That's up to you. <laughs> I think Val is a little he's a little unsettled and will sort of like stop and close the book and then look at the others and say this book made me feel dizzy should I read it I don't like the feeling of any of this nor the text scrambled or what not and the effects that's having on you Val 
I don't even know how this library came to be here. I don't like any of this. I think Cad might have been right. We should have left. Ozan, let us not waste any more time. And Val will put the book back on the shelf and just sort of like look at the other two like, we should go. As you walk out of the library, you run into Vamok and Cad. We were just looking for you. We believe it best to leave. I think we are in agreement on that front. Where is Bartholomew? He went upstairs. He wants to stay for the night. Very well. We must retrieve him quickly. I do not believe Victor made this place, but it is possible that he is somehow a servant to it. But that is mere conjecture. In any event, we should find Bartholomew and leave. Well, he went upstairs. Very well. Let us go after him. And, no matter what, we should not leave each other's sides. Going off on our own could prove to be disastrous. Flashback a while. As the doorknob turns upstairs, the door starts to open and then shuts again quite abruptly as you kind of hear a body shuffle about and then be pressed up against the door and emit this low groan and then suddenly it's gone and the door kind of just swings slightly open ajar all right bartholomew's going in and he's going in ready to attack anything that could be in there as a three foot six crazy dwarf is off to do as you walk in the room is dark it looks simple from what you can tell the window the blinds are shut but there are a few candlesticks that are burning, one on an end table near this large poster bed and another on a dresser of sorts. It's almost like a small inn or hotel room that you would find in any common city large enough to house such things. It looks of a distinctly different construction than the rest of the hallway that you came from, and you notice on the desk there's an inkwell that's been spilled, there are papers scattered about on the ground. In fact, the window is open, um, underneath the curtains and it's blowing them a little bit and there's this cold wind that is pushing these papers around on top of the bed and onto the floor where they fall on top of a puddle of ink and blood. Bartholomew is going to first look out the window and see if there's anyone fleeing. No, as you look out the window, you see a town or a city perhaps of old world construction and make seems to be predominantly dwarven, though there are scatterings of humans and elves and tieflings and orcs and all such about. Is there any other exit from this room beyond the door I entered in and this window? There seems to be a small lavatory that's closed. We're checking out the lavatory to see if there is a dead body and or a live person inside. As you open it, you find a, you know, a small tub, wash basin, and then a toilet. Yes, there's plumbing in dwarven cities it's rudimentary but you take what you can get and this is a similar scene you find notes tacked to the wall where there should be a mirror it's stained with blood and ink and the tiling on the floor is just littered in these papers where bloody inky footsteps have clambered over them and you also find black and red handprints scattered about on different pieces of furniture Barty is going to take 10 minutes, or as, as close as he can, kind of within his frame of reference, a short time. And he's going to briefly look over these papers, and then he's going to head out to this dwarven city, or the seemingly dwarven city. 
These papers are yours. It's your handwriting. It's your formulas for your alchemical concoctions and potions. Barty is going to head into the Dwarven City. Like out the window? Yeah, out the window. Well, I guess it depends on how many floors. Presumably we're on the second floor. It looks to be on the third, actually. Okay, okay. And down below, it's there aren't any balconies or awnings. It's just a straight drop to a cobblestone street. We're doing the good old bedsheets rope. Seeing if we can finagle our way down this drop. He's willing to drop 10 feet. So if we have 20 feet worth of things, he's willing to drop the rest. But beyond that, he's going to look around again. Okay. The bedsheets are in a sorry state, being ripped and bloodied, but you can probably salvage about a 10-foot rope from the comforter piece. I have got a question, actually. Does Barty remember this scene from his past? It's possible. He's about to, to hop out. He's about to hop out. And then something just clicks in his head. And he looks again at the bedsheets that he's currently holding. Uh, and he looks out on the city. Is there a trail of blood or anything that leads out the window that would imply, oh, someone has just fled? There's a bit of blood on the windowsill, but that far down and with this kind of crowd of people going by, it's too difficult to tell. Barty distinctly remembers what happened here. He knows exactly where this is. He knows exactly what happened. And he knows he faces a very interesting choice. And he remembers back about 50 years. I guess 50 years in his perception of time. Who knows how long or how far away, considering the dimensions we've been hopping from. And he looks out the window. He looks at the rope. He remembers. He can he can see himself tying the rope off, jumping down the extra 20 feet damaging his ankle but not breaking it running after the people who were just in this room and everything that came from that decision and he looks around once again in the room it's covered in blood it's covered in ink he notices the missing book the book that was searched for through all these papers and he makes a different choice instead of jumping off running out and finding it he looks up to the rafters he ties off the blanket rope thing steps on a chair kicks it out from under him it's at that point as Barty is hanging from a bedsheet in the middle of the room slowly choking out himself that you hear this knock this rap at the door and then there's a quick snap as the rafter buckles and breaks and you just fall down, hitting your spine on the chair and rolling to a stop in this puddle of ink and blood. And you hear this voice, Sir, are you all right in there? There's no response. Barty has fallen deeply into a, uh, a bad place. The door opens slowly with a creak, and heavy feet plod across the room to you. Your vision is blurry, your head is in pain, your back hurts with every movement that you make, but you are helped upright into a sitting position, and you see a human figure in quite regal clothes, though still a servant's garb, more of a butler, really. And he says, Sir, sir, can you hear me? Barty, without looking at him, he just, he, he mutters, I, I won't do it again. I can't do it again. 
You can't make me. I don't think you will. No, my good sir, let me help you to your feet. You made a choice here. And instead, here and now, as opposed to there and then, you made the right one. Now, let me show you to your rooms. And this figure attempts to help you to your feet, but will not force you if you don't comply. He will comply. He's pretty dazed. I'd say Barty is going through the motions of existing at the moment, but he's not resisting. And you're led out of the room and just next door to 135B, where this figure opens the lock, pushes the door open, and ushers you inside. You'll find that the bed has been made. There are amenities in the lavatory, and if you need me, I'm but a bell away. And he gestures to a small bell on the end table. This room seems to be of similar construction to the one that you were just in. Definitely not a part of this farmhouse vibe that was going on before. But it is smaller than the bloodied room that you were just in. I think, sir, for now, and this butler character takes the key out of the door and puts it into a pocket in his jacket, I'll be keeping hold of this, and he pats his breast, while you get some rest. I'll call on you in, say, twelve hours? He goes towards the bed, still slightly dazed, and basically lies down catatonic. He just falls on his face and is not moving. Wonderful, sir. I'll bring you fresh garments and a warm breakfast. And then he shuts the door, and you hear it lock. Elsewhere in the house, Vamak, Cad, Kelnias, Mick, and Val are what? Heading upstairs? Yep. Yeah. Who's leading this pack? Probably Vamok. Yeah, that's V-man, what I was thinking. V-Man, As everyone heads upstairs with Vamok first, if Val were last, Val sees everyone reach the landing above him. But once he steps foot on the landing, he's alone. I don't like that at all. And everyone has this similar experience to Bartholomew where left and right you see this infinitely long hallway lit with intermittent candles, and then behind you, your friends disappeared, and a staircase leading down to nowhere. 